0: Thanks for tuning in to our Neighborhood Church podcast. Join us on Sunday at any of our locations. To learn more about our church, visit neighborhoodchurch.com or download our church app.
1: Wow. Well, man, what an awesome week of VBS. I just want to give a round of applause, and you can from your screens in your home, to all of our VBS crew. Man, what a cool week. And and all of, what an awesome week with a pivot to being an online experience. And you saw all the kids that were still checking in and having a great time man, just awesome. So you're going to to hear a little bit bit more about VBS as we continue going through this morning. Um, I'm Pastor Kerry, pastor of Connection and Discipleship here at Neighborhood Church, and I'm glad to be with you here once again uh, this Sunday. Let's open in a word of prayer as we dive into God's Word this morning. So if you would join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to come before you again and to your word. God, thank you that even though we are in a, a time and in a culture and in a space where uh, things just keep changing, uh, Lord, we, these things, new updates come and we're just, there's so much uncertainty, Lord. Things keep changing on us and God, your word never changes. God, thank you that it and you, the author of it, are unchanging, that you're steadfast, that you're dependable. We don't need to worry about you switching and changing your mind on us. God, thank you that you are steadfast, and thank you that because you're faithful, we know that you can change us. And God, we do pray that as we read your word this morning and as we listen to your spirit, that you would change us, you would transform us and that we would be made better and grow more because of what your spirit would like to say to us. So we open ourselves up to you and we offer all this to you in your name, amen. Well, I'm glad to get to be here back with you. Um, uh, If you saw online, Pastor Mike is actually, uh, he got to visit Hume Lake uh, this past week. And it made me think about how when my wife and I went back to Hume Lake last time, we were driving up the mountain, and uh, Google Maps said we should take this little shortcut. And the overview made it look like, okay, it's going to save us some time. So we turn off the main highway onto this tiny mountain road, and we're moving along, and suddenly our Corolla is bumping over like dirt road. And uh, (laughs) we're starting to realize, "Uh uh-oh, where is this taking us? And then we get to the end, and it's a locked gate on a dirt road in the middle of the woods with nothing around. And we thought, okay, we are definitely lost right now. <laughs> so we, we figured out how to turn around. We moved back out we, and we took the highway the rest of the way and got to Hume Lake safe and sound. But have you ever been lost like that Have you ever just like, oh my goodness, we need someone's help to show us the way to get directions to where we're going? I think some of us, I think a lot of humanity actually is looking for God like that too. We want to connect to God. We want to connect with our creator, but not all of us know how to get to him and where to go. So those are some questions. How do we connect with God when he's so mysterious, when he's big and perfect and let's face it, invisible? How do we connect with God? How can God and I be okay? These are the questions folks faced in this first century too. And we're going to look at, find some answers here in the Gospel of John again. So we're back in the Gospel of John. We were there last week in John 11, the center of John's gospel, the pivot point. And so we're going to move from the center of John's gospel forward to a new section where it's John 13 through 17. And that's going to be a profound conversation that Jesus has with his disciples, his closest 12 and then the 11. It's in the upper room. Jesus is sharing parting instructions, and he's trying to encourage his disciples too because he knows this is going to be his last supper with them. So that brings up this question. How are they going to be able to connect with God if Jesus isn't going to be around anymore? This upper room scene is where we're going to zero in to find some answers. So if you're not, uh, if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to turn with us to John chapter 14, and we're going to start in verse 1. The nice thing about watching from your home or watching online, you can always pause it, and you can, and if you're home, you can always just go grab a Bible. So go get a Bible, follow along with us, go straight to the source. I'm going to reading out of the English Standard Version. We're in John 14, verse 1. So John 14, 1 begins like this. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says in verse one, let, your hearts, let not your hearts be troubled. Troubled, why would they be troubled? Well, here's why. They're saying, uh, teacher, um, you just said earlier in John 13 that, uh, that someone was gonna betray you. And you're saying we shouldn't be anxious? And then you went on in verse 38 of chapter 13, you said that, that Peter was gonna deny you three times. And then you said in verse 33 and verse 36 that you were going to leave us. You were going to go away, not be troubled. How can we not be troubled, Jesus? And he says, hey, verse one, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Trust me. Why should they trust Jesus? He goes on, verse two, in my father's house are many rooms. And if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? See see if you can guess these. Who's Jesus' father? God. Okay, God the Father. And uh, what's his house? It's heaven. And then the last thing, what's Jesus going to do? He's going to prepare a way. He's going to make a way for them to get there, to get to heaven, his father's house. He goes on in verse three. If I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again. And I'll take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Come again? What does that mean? It's actually Jesus' second coming that that's referring to. And one element of the return of the king at the very end is that he's going to come in and he's going to gather all of his people, all of his followers, and he's going to bring them into God's house, into an eternity with God. And we have that to look forward to a joy filled eternity spent with God. That's what his followers can look forward to. And look at this. Jesus is so kind. He's saying, hey, guys, don't be troubled. Look what I'm preparing for you. This is why the disciples could trust Jesus, right? How does that go, Lorena? Trust Jesus, right? (laughs) Like in the VBS film, Jesus is saying the same thing. Trust me because I'm going to prepare a way. I'm going to make a way to a heavenly eternity that you can spend with God the Father. How can we connect with God if Jesus isn't here? Through his resurrection, Jesus made a way to connect with God forever. His death, And his resurrection is the preparation. You see, when he atoned for our sins on the cross, when he forgave everything that we had ever done and all the brokenness inside us, that was the preparation that Jesus did to make a way for us to get into heaven. He is the way to get into God's heavenly house. And so after Jesus was going away, to make that atonement, now he can book our rooms in God's house. So question for you. Are you someone who hasn't yet trusted Jesus yet, but you're curious? If you haven't made Jesus the, the healer of your life, the uh, rescuer, your guide, your way, I would encourage you, please reach out to us. Post in the live stream chat or email me at carrie at neighborhoodchurch.com or call our church office. There is nothing more important than you trusting Jesus. Jesus is the way to heaven for you, and he has made that invitation to you. Make that decision today. For all of us here, we've already started to cover in this passage things about heaven, uh, Jesus' second coming at the end of all things. Uh, We're talking tricky Trinitarian. And so this may be a little hard. (laughs) Don't worry. All these truths that Jesus is unpacking here were really meaningful to his disciples, and they're meaningful for us too. So stay in track with us. Stay on track with us, VBS. Okay. Um, Anyway, let's move on to the next passage. We've already got good Good news. Jesus makes a way into our heavenly home with God. Now we're going to see our next news in verses 5 through 11. So let's check out verse 5. If you remember Thomas from last week, Thomas was the guy in 11, 16. He was confused, he was worried, but he still chose to follow Jesus and be courageous. And here he asks another question of Jesus. He says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Even though Jesus had told him, he was still uncertain. Has anyone ever felt like that before? Yeah, I can relate. Jesus responds to him. He responds with another one of his profound I am statements. And these are the ones that John strategically peppers throughout his gospel. And here in John 14, 6, Jesus once again uses God's own name, Yahweh, to apply to himself. He says there in 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth and the life. And this this is the focal point that this whole passage is centered around. So I've asked Anna, one of our church members, to explain this to us in a creative way. So take it away, Anna.
0: I am the way to God. I did not come to light a path, to blaze a trail that you may simply follow in my tracks. Pursue my shadow like a prize that's cheaply won. My life reveals the life of God, the sum of all he is and does. So how can you, the sons of night, look on me and construe my way as just the road for you to run? My path takes in Gethsemane, the cross, and stark rejection draped in agony. My way to God embraces utmost loss. Your way to God is not my way, but me. Each other path is dismal swamp or fraud. I stand alone. I am the way to God. I am the truth of God. I do not claim I merely speak the truth as though I were a prophet, but no more, a channel stirred by spirit power of purely human frame. Nor do I say that when I take his name upon my lips, my teaching cannot err, though that is true. A mere interpreter I'm not, some prophet voice of special fame. In timeless reaches of eternity, the triune God decided that the word, the self-expression of the deity, would put on flesh and blood and thus be heard. The claim to speak the truth, good men applaud. I claim much more. I am the truth of God. I am the resurrection life. It's not as though I merely bear life-giving drink, a magic elixir which men might think is cheap because though lavish, it's not bought. The price of life was fully paid. I fought with death and black despair, for I'm the drink of life. The resurrection mourns the link between my death and endless life long sought. I am the firstborn from the dead, and by my triumph, I deal death to lusts and hates. My life I now extend to men and ply them with the drought that never satiates. Religion's page with empty boasts is rife, but I'm the resurrection and the life.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Anna. Man, did you guys see that? Jesus is saying, I am the the way the truth, and the life. And actually, if you notice it, it's because he's the truth and because he's the life that he can be the way. They're all interrelated. If you'd like to learn more about all the complexities of all that means, and see Anna's video and everything, go ahead to our revive section on our website, neighborhoodchurch.com. Go on the homepage, click revive, and there's all sorts of awesome resources there, and including our study guide, which has answers to all of our fill-in-the-blanks, extra articles, extra resources. Great place to get some more resources there. Jesus closes in uh, verse 6 back in our passage like this. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Check this out. So all of John's original audience, which would have been mostly Jewish folks, Jesus is saying, hey, all the Old Testament laws, all the Old Testament actually in general, the temple, all of Judaism is now no longer sufficient to come to know God. Because God sent me, his son. Jesus is now the way. And he's saying, that's no longer enough. In fact, nothing is enough. I'm the only way to God. So Jesus closes with that statement. And then he concludes his answer to Thomas in this way. He says in verse seven, If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So Jesus is saying, hey, Thomas, all these years we've walked together in ministry, every little bit you learned more about me and we got to know each other more, you've gotten to know God more. That is how much Jesus points to the Father. And in this new Passion Week that Jesus is about to walk through the cross this next day as he's talking with Thomas, now Thomas is going to know God even more. So... We've heard from Thomas. Now we're going to hear from a second disciple. John 148 records how Philip says to him, "Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us." Okay. So Philip has followed Jesus also, like Thomas since John chapter 1 verse 43. He's been a disciple. He's had years of experience with Jesus, and yet he's still saying, uh, I don't know. I don't get it. Just show us the Father." After Jesus has already said all these things about how he points to the Father. So, but look at Jesus' response. He's so kind. He says, have I been with you so long and you still don't know me, Philip? But then he's, he doesn't dismiss Philip and say, oh, that's a dumb question. He says, oh, Jesus is kind and says, I'll explain it to you again. Let's walk through it again together. He says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you know, do you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? And this this short little clever phrase Jesus is showing and how God reveals himself in, in these distinct persons. And yet at the same time, God is one, all unified together. Now, if that blows your mind, that's the Trinity. And if you want an extra resource, again, go to our Revive page. There's a really cool video by the Bible Project, guys, about how to explain the Trinity. And it's really helpful. Um, On that note, speaking of the Trinity, Jesus continues. He says, the words that I say to you, Philip, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. So again, we see how God the Son and God the Father are relating. God the Son is obedient to the Father. And he's not just a prophet. He's not merely a messenger of God. He is the obedient son of God. Awesome stuff. And then Jesus wraps it up in verse 11. He says the same phrase back from verse 10, but now he's giving it as an invitation. He's saying it's a call. Believe me, believe me, verse 11, that I am in the father and the father is in me. Or else, believe on the accounts of the works themselves. And so Jesus is saying, hey, believe in who I am, my identity, but also believe just based on all the cool stuff you've seen I do. And if you'll see in the Gospel of John, there are actually seven seven signs that John puts throughout the gospel that are all miraculous events that point to who Jesus is. He's opening the eyes of the blind. He's feeding huge crowds. He's rising the dead to life like Lazarus. And then all those things, that power that he is displaying, that power points to something, that he is the Messiah, that he is the son of God. So he says, look at the miracles. I am the way to experience God. And that is our second main point. Jesus is the way to experience God. Through his resurrection, Jesus made a way to connect with God forever. So how is Jesus the only way? Isn't that so exclusive? I mean, isn't that Really, isn't that intolerant, unmodern? How could Jesus say that? Well, one of the things we have to remember is we can't take modern cultural trends and use them to interpret or judge eternal things spoken by an eternal God. And Jesus said he's the only way, and he made the universe, so he's so he's right. Um, his followers would eventually come to understand this too. They would quote later when they would. Uh, They were filled with the Holy Spirit, God himself. And then in Acts chapter four, verse 12, they would say this. To anyone who would listen, there is salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus is it. So think of it this way. Think of a castle with a moat around it. So the castle is God's house. It's uh, his heaven that we want to get inside. And Jesus is the one bridge that we can cross. Jesus isn't just the preferred bridge or he's the best bridge. He's the only bridge in town. He's the way. But get this, even though Jesus says, I'm the only way, he also extends an invitation. And that bridge is open and the gates are open. So all we need to do is walk across it. So Jesus says, yes, I'm the only way, but you're invited. Not just welcome, you're invited to come in. And that is an amazing thing. So Jesus teaches all of this. How does that hit us? Well, two things. Uh, First, maybe you've tried this Christian thing for a while. Maybe you grew up in church and you're saying, you know what? I've done this thing for a while, but I'm realizing there's other options out there. I just went to college or I just moved or I just talked to a friend who believes something different. I want to try that. Just as a word of warning and to save you time, don't waste your time. Jesus is the only way to true peace and heaven and heaven. He's the only way to God. Second, this truth should motivate our evangelism your friend, your family member, your coworker, your neighbor. They all could be really nice people, nicer than you even. But if they don't have Jesus as the master of their life, if they're not following him, then they're not going to get into heaven. How can we say that? How can Jesus say that? But here's the good news, the gospel. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be the way that they do, that way that they don't get into heaven, because Jesus stands there and says, "Come." So we need to share that Jesus's arms are open and that He's willing to invite and welcome anyone in. These kinds of truths should motivate us to share others, share Jesus with others, so that they can walk across that bridge. How can God and I be okay? Jesus, the Messiah, is the only way. As we approach the end of our passage, Jesus gives us one more thing to consider. And since today we're celebrating what God did in VBS, we've asked one of our kids to read for us. So, uh, Joseph, why don't you take it away?
0: Hello, my name is Joseph Strother, and today I will be reciting John fourteen twelve to 14. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that some may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it.
1: Hello, my name is Joseph Strother. Awesome, thank you, Joseph. (laughs) Uh, Did you hear the promises that were in that passage? Jesus is promising us that his resurrection enables us to join God's kingdom work we have a part to play. We get to participate. And so we're going to even do greater works. What does Jesus mean by that? Well, he's actually saying because we're on this side of the cross, there's a whole bunch of new realities at play. One, clarity. We've got the whole New Testament at our disposal to to know more about God. Two, we've got God himself, the Spirit, Holy Spirit, inside each one, each person who's a follower of God, empowering us to do ministry. And if you want to know more about Holy Spirit, you just keep reading chapter 14. Jesus starts talking all about him. Uh, Next, we can see that we've got a greater reach that the Gentiles get incorporated into God's people and the gospel goes global. And so God's kingdom is all over the world now. So greater works, greater things. There's so much cool stuff going on. And God the son graciously empowers us, his followers to get to participate and make the kingdom of heaven advance. And so Jesus leaves his disciples with these three awesome truths. They don't need to worry about him going away and let their hearts be troubled. Why? Because they're going to gain admission to heaven. They're going to have access to God the Father. And then third, they're going to be empowered to carry out God's kingdom work as co-workers here with him on earth. And so we see our third main point is this. Jesus is the way to live for God to live for God. How can God and I be okay? Jesus is the only way. So one way to illustrate this is my wife's sister has been staying with us for a while and she's on a summer break from high school and we're making lunch one day and I'm making sandwiches and I remembered that she liked to make guacamole. So I'm like, "Hey Lily, do you want to make guacamole?" And she said, "Yes." And so she did. So we gave her what she needed and she ended up making some awesome guacamole we had plenty with our sandwiches. All we had to do is supply Lily with the ingredients the cookware and the opportunity she needed and she was able to make something delicious that's similar how to how Jesus is the way to live for God you see Jesus provides what we need he provides the opportunity he empowers us with skills and then we get to do awesome greater things for him you see he does most of the work to be honest but he still honors us with a role to play So the question is, what is your role? How are you working for the kingdom of God? I hope that we wouldn't look at the amazing sacrifice Jesus made on the cross on our behalf and say, thanks for the cross, friend. I'll take it from here. No, God, in our gratitude, we want to look at God and say, wow, look how you have rescued and saved and healed my life. How can we join together and do some things together to help other people know about him here on earth? That is the call we have. So, man, if you need ideas, check out neighborhoodchurch.com slash serving. We would love to help you find a place to use your God-given gifts to make a difference in this world. You can also email me again at at Um, One last idea from this passage, this last section, verses 12 through 14 that Joseph read for us. You may have noticed verse 14. It says, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So the enemy has actually used this passage sometimes to uh, twist things around and say, and and deliver a message that's really a prosperity gospel preaching. What do I mean by that? It means that um, I get a whole bunch of health and wealth from God, and the more faith I have, the more gains I get. It sounds pretty cool, but it's not actually what Jesus taught. Jesus here in John 14:14 14, 14 is saying, "Hey, I'm empowering you and I'm going to do anything you ask for the sake of the kingdom." for God's glory, he says in verse 13, not for ours. And so his, his perspective is he wants to empower us for kingdom work and not just our Christmas list. <laughs> his perspective is so much greater than that. And by the way, asking for things in his name, a praying in Jesus' name, it's not a magical incantation. He's actually saying, pray for things in my name, i.e. your prayers should be in line with what Jesus' name stands for. Look up John 1st John 5:14. We pray for opportunities to join God's work, and as we serve God out of our gratitude, we will find joy as we get to see it bringing God glory. So Jesus is the way to live for God. As I look into my own heart, I find based on all of what I've read here, I find, you know, I agree, but I'm still challenged I'm challenged because I think, man, when was the last time that I asked God to help me do greater works on behalf of advancing his kingdom? I look back at my prayer lists and they're all preservation prayers. God, help me be safe. Keep me up. Protect my family. Help my friends to stay. I'm just praying for maintenance. And God says, I want you to have vision to pray for expanding my kingdom. And so I just pray, Lord, please give me courage. Give me focus to pray for ways that I can expand your kingdom, to live for you, for your glory. How can God and I be okay? Jesus is the only way. So what about you? When you hear how trusting Jesus is the only way to be good with God, what actions do you need to take? Are you curious? Then place your faith and trust in Jesus. Don't delay. You won't regret it. Are you convinced? Well, then make sure you're focused on Jesus and don't dabble in other options out there. Jesus is the only way. Are you committed, then don't forget how Jesus is the only way and you aren't. It's not our works that get us good with God. It's Jesus's. Then be grateful and live for him. God, thank you so much that you are the way. You have come, Father, and you have made a a possibility for us to be connected with an infinite holy God, even broken and uncertain and fearful and doubtful as we may be. You've made a way, and that way is Jesus. God, we thank you for you reaching down into our situations, into our anxiety, the troubled hearts like the disciples had. And maybe our hearts are troubled today too. God, we pray that you would reach into our worries and you would bring us peace peace from knowing that you have made a way for us to be in heaven with you forever, that you have made a way for us to experience our creator uninterrupted, unfiltered. And Lord Jesus, you have made a way for us to live for God without fearing, without wondering what to do. God, you have laid a way for us. God, we thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your generosity. And we thank you for reaching out to us. We pray for courage pray that you would help our unbelief. We pray for faith. And God, we thank you that you you have sent your son who is so worthy to be trusted. We pray all these things in his name. Amen. Well, this morning, we would love to give you an opportunity to join us in worship, to respond in song. So let's go ahead and join the band and respond to God, how he's working in our hearts through this song.